for listening to Embassy City Church's audio podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message and his word today. For more information on our church, please visit us at embassycity.com. Revelations 12 verses 10 and 11 says this. Then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens. It has come at last, salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. Get this. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth. The one who accuses them before our God day and night. And they have been defeat and they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. I want to talk about doxology. I want to talk about worship. It's interesting to me uh, when it comes to worship uh, is that you can do it in so many different ways. We do it privately in our devotion time to God. We do it publicly whenever we're together in a corporate expression. I grew up uh, in a classical, Pentecostal, uh, very expressive church. So worship was done uh, a certain way my entire life. Praise was done a certain way. Worship was done a certain way. And as God opened doors for me to be able to travel, to go to other churches and experience uh, other circles of faith, I realized that everybody did not worship God the way I was raised worshiping God. Everybody didn't use the same sound that I was accustomed to worshiping God. As I began to travel and to be able to meet different people, I started to hear some of the conversations they would have as it related to worship. Some people would say things like, uh, yes, I visited that church, but I just couldn't get with their worship. I, 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 I really enjoyed the word, but man, that's just not the kind of worship that I get down with. It was too noisy. It wasn't noisy enough. Too many guitars, not enough guitars. Too much piano, not enough piano. Too many hymns, not enough hymns. Choir was too loud, too much choir. Can't believe they had instruments at all. I started to realize that a lot of us have lost track and sight of why we worship in the first place. And what's dominated the conversation around worship is preference as opposed to the actual context of why we worship. My hope, 
this morning is that the three points that the Holy Spirit has given me will become the three points that you use to orient yourself to worship of our God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. That regardless of your preference, regardless of the style you like, regardless of the genre that really gets to you, that you will orient yourself to the reason why you're worshiping and not simply the preference you choose to worship in. I can guarantee you today that if you would take these three points that I'm going to give you and orient them to your life, you can travel the entire world and worship with any group of believers on the planet. Because it will not be about what you prefer. It will be about what you know to be true about worship. I'm excited about giving you this. So get your notes out. Get it on your phone. Write these down because in three days it will be your sermon. And you when you repeat it to the people around you, you will sound like a genius. You're going to say, I was just in the presence of the Lord on Sunday morning, just minding my business. And he gave me these three points. And they have ministered to me. And now they're going to minister to you. Three points that I want you to write down. And here's how I want you to preface it. Three reasons we worship. Three reasons we worship. Point number one, please write this down. We have his blood. We have his blood. Anytime I'm in a moment of worship, privately or publicly, the first thing that comes to my mind is the fact that I have Jesus's blood that has atoned for my sins, that covers my life. I want you to think about this in context to what is read in uh, Revelation chapter number 12, verse number 10. This is strong. It came, it has come at last, salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. Get this, for the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth. The one who accuses them before our God day and night. Let me tell you something about the accusations of Satan as it relates to your life. Jesus has covered us with his blood against the accusations of Satan. And here's what you need to know about the accusations of Satan. Whatever he's accusing you of to God is true. The accusations that Satan makes against you to God are the absolute truth. Here's the response that you'll get from a religious church person. The devil is a lie. I bind that. That's not the truth. Not today, Satan. I rebuke those words in Jesus' name. Satan lies to you. He can't lie to God. Scripture says that a liar would not tarry in God's presence. When Satan presents himself to God with an accusation about you, it is the absolute truth. Can you imagine from the time you were born to this day, if somebody had everything you've ever done documented, 
if somebody had all the dirt on you, document it. And they said, I'm about to turn this into the authorities. You going down today. Because I got a list of everything you've thought. I've got a list of everything you wanted to act on. I got a list of things that people don't even know about that you don't think anybody else was privy to. I know about it and I'm turning it in. And everything is true. Satan has that list. And he goes to God and he goes, Do you know Tim did this? Yes. And do you also know Tim did that? Yes. And do you also know he did this? And everything he's listing is the absolute truth. And here's the thing. Without Jesus' blood, the accusations that Satan makes against me and you would go unanswerable. There would be no response that could be given but because of Jesus' blood. Every accusation that is made against us comes up against his blood. And when it comes up against his blood, all the accusations fall to the ground. They are not admitted in the court of the kingdom of heaven. They are impermissible to be submitted to God. He can't even review the facts because all he can see is the blood. Listen to me. When I come into God's presence and I get ready to worship, I'm not, I, I, the first thing that comes to my mind is not the genre of music we're about to worship in. What comes to my mind is, is the fact that I have his blood. I'm able to worship because I have been positionally placed by Jesus Christ's blood in an area where I can worship him freely and not worry about any accusations coming back to haunt me. Write this sentence down. This is a great sentence uh, for you to have. Jesus put us in a position that we could have never achieved on our own. Jesus put us in a position that we could have never achieved on our own. Let me break that down. When you gave your life to Jesus Christ, he made you righteous. You can't work for it. You cannot earn it. It's not something that you, 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 you strive for. It's not something that you can work up to. And let me tell you something else. Whether you've been saved for five minutes or whether you've been saved for 50 years, you are not more righteous today than you were the, the day you gave your life to Jesus Christ. I've been saved 22 years. I am no more righteous today than I was on January 14th of 1996 when I first gave my life to Jesus Christ because I cannot do anything for righteousness. Christ made me righteous. He positioned me to be righteous. I'll tell you what I am 22 years later is I'm freer than I was 22 years ago. Righteousness, you can't do anything with. Freedom, though, you can get freer. You can experience freedom in Christ, and we should all be experiencing freedom in Christ every single day that we have a relationship with him. But what you cannot do and what you'll never be able to do is become more righteous. 
He positioned us and made us righteous. And I worship from that perspective when I come into his presence. Whether it's private or public, I am in a posture where I'm thanking God that his blood has placed me in a position to worship him free of accusations. Point number two, write this down. We have our testimony. The first reason is we have his blood, but the second reason is we have our testimony. Here's where worship changes if you have this perspective. Whether it's your, 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 your music of choice, your genre of choice, when I'm reading the lyrics on the screen of a song, whether, I, whether I'm familiar with that song, whether it's my first time learning it, I have a different perspective when I come into that worship moment. You ever been in a church service, somebody introduces a song, you never heard it before, so you got your hands lifted, but you, you know, you're, you're kind of looking at the screen, and you're like, <laughs> by the second or third verse, you got it. And by the bridge, you own it. Oh, the overwhelming never end. I like this song, right? It's a, I own it now. It's mine, right? Here's what changes it from a song that they're singing to a song that you own is your testimony. You place your testimony into the lyrics of that song, and it's the same song, but now it's a different song. Because now you're singing it in a way that even the person that wrote it doesn't have context to. You can start singing the song like, you're a good, good father. That's who you are. That's who you are. That's who you are, are. Because it's two R's. <laughs> and I'm loved by you. That's who I am. That's who I am. That's who I am. Because it's two ams. You are perfect in all of your ways. Right? You start singing that song. But, but here's what, when I start singing good, good father, I'm putting my testimony to it. And it becomes a completely different song. Because guess who's singing that song? That eight-year-old that got molested by the neighbor that lived across the street from him? You're a good, good father. The sexual trauma I experienced at eight years old, the pornography addiction I had until my 20s, uh, the, the low self-esteem, the people-pleasing, I start singing that song with my testimony combined to it. It's a different good, good father than the one you might be singing about. And when everyone does that with their testimony in mind, how can you get through it without being moved by it? It doesn't have to be your jam. It's just the truth. It doesn't have to be your genre, but it's the truth. Those lyrics are theologically correct. You start to understand something about God in that moment that nobody else can take away from you, that, that you have the blood of the lamb and you have the word of your testimony. And when you sing with that orientation, worship takes on a completely different element and an entire new meaning. It changes everything. 
Write this sitting down. This, this, is, this is good. This is the second truth I want you to write down. My testimony makes worship something only I can own. We're singing the same songs, but we don't mean the same thing when we're singing it. If I start singing Reckless Love, it's completely different. Because God has come and got me out of some crazy situations. Because he's loved me. My testimony is informing the way that I worship the Lord. And I want you to think about this. When you worship with these two things in mind, all of hell is intimidated of you. Can you imagine how disruptive it must be to Satan and his imps that you would come into God's presence after the week that you've had and throw up your arms and worship him like you just didn't have the week that you just had? You know how spiteful that is? Anybody grow up a little bit spiteful? You... you you, 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 you know, you, you know how to get back at people. Any, anybody beside me, you, you're redeemed now. I, I understand. But, but, you know, there's still a little bit of you. Well, d- there's a person you can direct that towards. It's Satan. You come into his presence on the weekend and you go, I know the type of week I had. And I know I'm worn out and I know that I'm exhausted. And I know that there's some things that are not fixed and they're not settled. I'm putting all that to the side right now. And I'm reminded of two things, his blood. And my testimony, and I'm about to worship the Lord in the face of my situation. I'm going to worship the Lord in the face of my problems. I'm going to worship the Lord in the face of the things that I don't have answers to because these things are true and they orient the way that I worship. It's his blood combined with our testimony. Here's what scripture says. That's how we overcome. What a simplistic formula. God never wants this to be hard for us. So here's what he says. I'm going to give you a great formula for you to have victory over the enemy. Take my son's blood that was shed for you and then take the testimony that I've given to you. And those two things can push back any dark force that comes against you in your entire life. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. This is how we do it. We keep that at the forefront of our narrative every single day. And in worship, this is what I am bringing to the table is his blood and my testimony. I share this often that there are only two testimonies on earth. God either saved you from something or he saved you through something. And they're both valid testimonies. Don't let anyone make you feel guilty that you don't have a testimony. I've grown up in church that the only testimonies that were given uh, any attention or any credit are the really bad ones. Those are the ones that get the profiles. Those are the ones that get the uh, four-minute video montages. Those are the ones that we bring up to the platform and go, tell them what happened. And they go, well, I got shot five times. And I was on heroin for 72 years. And I cut myself and I almost died. I tried to commit suicide three times, but I'm still here. And we, oh, Jesus! We love that. Listen, that's a great testimony. 
That's something we should celebrate, that, 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 that God has snatched somebody from the literal throes of death and brought them back into a relationship and new life in Christ. But that's not the only type of testimony that God gets glory from. God also gets glory from the testimony of somebody that says, I gave my life to Jesus when I was seven at a camp. And I have no clue what drugs are, and I've never been drunk, and I was a virgin until I got married, and I've stayed faithful to the Lord. Guess what? Heaven screams over that one, too. I don't want people to run out of here and to go get a testimony. You might not come back. Have you ever heard somebody say, you know what, I had to go out and get my testimony? Didn't that hurt? That, that was, that hurt. I had to go out and do me. Did you do you and came back and you were like, I should not be doing me. I shouldn't do me no more. Me hurts. I hurt me. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimonies and both are valid from and through our valid testimonies. And they sit side by side in a church where all are welcome. Point three, write this down. We've been redeemed. We have been redeemed. Here's what it says in Psalm 107, verses 1 and 2. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. Tell others he has redeemed you from your enemies. Here's the way the King James says it, and this is one we're most familiar with. Let the redeemed of the Lord Let the redeemed of the Lord Let the redeemed of the Lord Say so. Redemption is not something based on what Psalm 107 says. It's not something that you can keep to yourself. The redeemed have to say something. The redeemed don't get to keep their mouth closed because there's something about redemption that is completely different than any type of other kind of relationship that you've been in. Here's, here's a definition of redeemed, to reclaim as one's own. I just want you to sit with that for a moment. To reclaim as one's own. When I first got saved, uh, you know, I preached my first sermon five weeks after I got saved, which was uncanny. I, I just cannot, couldn't believe that he even called me to preach and couldn't believe anybody wanted to listen. 18 months later, I'm living in Texas. And living in Texas and trying to get acclimated, a city boy from L.A., trying to get used to uh, Dallas. Lived in Oak Cliff with my great aunt and uncle when I first moved out here. That was interesting. And uh, uh, while I had moved to Texas, I still had a preaching engagement back in this, uh, California that I was supposed to do later on in the year. And uh, I used to have these diamond stud earrings that I would wear, and um, they were nice. <laughs> they, they were the kind you had to screw in. That's the real diamond, you know, when you just have to clip it, eh, you know do whatever you want with that one. I had to screw these in, you know, thought I was looking great with my little stud earrings. And 
had to go back to uh, California at some point and preach, and I didn't have the money, so I'm praying to the Lord, Lord, you got to, I need a financial breakthrough. You have to give me the money. You got to make a way for me to go and get, get back to California so I can preach. And the Holy Spirit kept saying, you have the money. And I was like, I don't have the money. So I'm asking you for the money because I don't have the money. And he was like, no, 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 you, you got the money. And I was like, I, I don't. Breakthrough, Jesus. <laughs> I need the money. He goes, you got the money. He kept saying it over and over. I didn't know what he was talking about. Till one day, uh, my cousins came over, and, and one of them had a nice handbag, and one cousin said to the other cousin, girl, that's a nice handbag. Where'd you get that from? She said, the pawn shop. Anybody ever been to the pawn shop? Tell the truth. <laughs> Let me tell you what's funny. I said, has anybody ever been to the pawn shop? Like, a third of y'all raised your hands. And then I said, tell the truth. And all these other hands went up after that. <laughs> it was like, I didn't know you was going to tell the truth in there. <laughs> I didn't know you were going to. You're serious, aren't you? Okay. Long time ago, I've been there. Saw a show about it on TV. Wanted to see what that was all about. And so as soon as they have this conversation about the pawn shop, the Holy Spirit says again, you have the money. I had never been to a pawn shop in my life. I'm like, you want me to pawn these earrings? <laughs> so I go. I'd never been in there. I walk in. <laughs> I was like, um, I have some earrings. And the guy looked at them, and he got a little loop. And, and looked at the quality of them. He was like, okay, okay, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll give you this much for it. And I was like, mm-mm. I paid a lot for these earrings. This, sir, these are valuable. Why are you, you're, you're devaluating these earrings. What, what, what is wrong with you? This, this is not the cost of these earrings. And, and he's like, this is all I'm going to give you for it. And I needed the money. It was enough for me to get back to California, so I took it. He gave me a ticket. Ticket had a little date on it. He said, hey, listen, you have until this time to come back and redeem, buy back these earrings. If you don't do it by this time, you're never going to get them back. I was like, okay, I'm coming back for these. Put them in my pocket. Went back to California, preached on the way back. The Holy Spirit said, no, keep those earrings there. You don't need them back. I'm like, no. <laughs> Yeah, it's not, not, I'm not sure. The devil is a lie. <laughs> not today, Satan. Does that work? No, no, it doesn't work. I never went back to get the earrings. I just want, want you to imagine with me. You're hearing this story today, but let's, let's put 10 more years on it. And I'm walking down the street. And I happen to see a person that has some diamond stud earrings in their ears. And I look. And those look familiar. Can I, can I see those? Oh, 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 you like my earrings now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I see them real quick? You want to see my earrings? Yeah, yeah. Do you have to screw those in? I do. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me see those. I need, I need to see those. I take out a little loop. I don't know why I carry it with me, but I take out a little loop. I look at it. I know, I know where all the imperfections were in my earrings because they were mine. 
They were my earrings. I'm the one that purchased them the first time. Full price. I felt the cost of what it was to put them in my ears. So I recognized them. It's been 30 years. I, mm, let me see those. Put them in my hand, put them in the loop. I like these. I'll buy them off you right now. You can't have these earrings. These are mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't care what the cost is. I'll buy them right now. Whatever, you, whatever your cost is, I'll purchase them off of you right now. Well, no, they're mine. I want to keep them. Where'd you get them from? Well, my cousin got them from her friend who got them from a pawn shop. And before they finish the sentence, I say, you know, Cliff? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whatever the price is right now, I don't care if it's double what I originally paid for it. I'll give it to you right now. The person considers it for a moment and goes, 15 grand. Sold. On the street right now. Give me your bank account and routing details, and I'll wire you the money right now. Sir, you are serious. Why do you want these earrings so bad? Because they belong to me in the first place. See, here's what I want you to understand about our ability to sing that we've been redeemed. We're the only creatures on the planet, created beings in heaven or on earth that get to sing the song we sing the way we sing it. The angels in heaven have sung a song for eternity that has never gotten old. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. They're created beings. They're singing the songs that they were designed to sing. They are working and operating according to their design. They are singing something, but they don't sing like we sing. Because they were never purchased back like we were. Satan used to lead worship in heaven. He doesn't anymore. He sings a different song, unholy, unholy, unholy. I don't know the rest of those lyrics because I just made those up. <laughs> but he sings a completely different song. The reason why he's so angry is he's never going to be bought back. So he wants as many people to experience the same fate as him. Yet we have a song that the angels can't sing, that Satan and his fallen angels never will, and that the rest of creation is actually envious over. If those earrings could talk, could you imagine them being back in the rightful owner's hands and going, you bought us back? You literally paid for us twice? You loved us that much that you'd pay for us double to get us back? Those earrings would have a song other earrings can't sing. 
If I put them back in my ear and I started walking down the street, they'd walk past other diamond earrings and go, I've been redeemed. <laughs> I know you don't know nothing about that, huh? You're your fourth owner. I've been redeemed. Right? There's something that happens in the heart of a community when together we start singing the songs we sing with the thought in our mind, you're looking around at your brother and sister and going, we've all been purchased back into a relationship with our daddy. That he loved you enough and you enough and you enough and you enough and you enough to literally purchase you back so you could have a family reunion and sing, I've been redeemed. Here's this truth I want you to write down for this, for this uh, point. Our redemption makes our worship something that we can all own. Let me tell you why I can travel to Australia, Singapore, Latin America, the Caribbean, Canada, Europe, and whether they sing a cappella or with music, through a hymn book or gospel, CCM, whether it's a song that I'm really, really familiar with or a song I've never heard before. I can worship with them. Because I don't go into that worship moment thinking, it's really not my preference. I like it a little more upbeat. This song kind of lags. When's it going to be over? Your mind's on the wrong thing. I've sat through some terrible worship services. But you would never be able to tell because I am on my knees weeping. And two things can be true I have his blood, and he can't sing. They can both be true. I have an incredible testimony, and they can't play. I've been redeemed, and the song don't even go like that. <laughs> I'm never going to sit out of a worship experience based on preference. I am always going to lean in to a moment that I have with my brothers and sisters in Christ to lift up the name of Jesus, not based on if I know the song or not, like the song or not, based on the fact that I have his blood, I have my testimony, and we have been redeemed. That's why I worship. That's why we worship. That's what we do here. Every single weekend, without fail, I want to be in God's presence. We do two services. The 9 a.m. service is my worship service. Because I get to greet people after the service and get back into the 11, you might not see me come into the third or fourth song, but that doesn't mean I skimped on worship. My 9 a.m. service is the service that I worship in. I'm on my knees. I'm in God's presence, and I'm thanking him for these three things. 
And when you have an orientation based on those points, you can do it here, you can do it in Australia, you can do it in Singapore, you can do it in China, you can do it at a church of Christ, you can do it at a church of God in Christ, you can do it at an Assemblies of God, you can do it at um, a Reformed church. It will not matter anymore. You start looking around and going, I have an opportunity to come into the presence of God with my brothers and sisters and be reminded of these three things. I'm telling you, when a church gets this revelation, worship becomes powerful. If you really want to upset hell, let 500 people break out in worship, singing songs, whether they know them or not. Some people have their eyes closed. Oh, the overwhelming never. And other people are looking right at the screens because they don't know the song. Reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down. Fine. Okay. <laughs> Let me tell you what hell does. What are we going to do with these people? Didn't we throw everything we had at them this week? Screw tape. Didn't you do what I told you to do? Some of y'all have read the screw tape. I love you. Y'all are a good church. All kinds of C.S. Lewis people in here. It's fantastic. Right? Didn't I tell you? Didn't I assign you to sick them? Didn't you, ugh, didn't you get, we, I did everything you told me to this week, but every time they get around their friends and family in church, they just start singing loud, off key and everything. They don't even care. They just get in this presence. They start reminded, and what can we do after they say the blood in their testimony? What do, and then it's talking about they're redeemed. We can't say that. <laughs> We're forever shut out from that. And so, <laughs> Try again tomorrow. Okay, but they keep coming back. They keep doing the same thing every week. They won't stop. That kind of church is amazing. That kind of church is vibrant. Those kind of people are, 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 they are, they are in, infectious. They, 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 they're infectious. They, they, they're the type of people that you get contagious around those kind of people. It starts rubbing off. When we're in worship and we all start singing the song, when I hear three and four rows behind me, they're all singing it. I'm going, mm-hmm, you in trouble now. They're all getting a revelation of who you are. It changes everything. So this is us. We worship here. Doxology is important here. We don't come in here and pick and choose worship. We walk in and we just get right in it. And wherever they go, we go because of the three things. His blood, our testimony the fact that we've been redeemed. This is us. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you would like to know more about Embassy City Church, please visit us at embassycity.com and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Embassy Irving.